listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. I am so very humbled and honored to be asked um, to come and speak here. This is a very special place. Uh, for those of you that might not remember me, as said, I am Emily Bunch. I grew up Emily Bunch. I lived at 113 Rommel Avenue. I attended Sprague Elementary School, Mercer Middle School, and graduated from Groves High School in 1972. And if good Lord willing, I'll come back next Saturday for the 50th high school reunion of the class of 1972. I went to college at Georgia Southern, um, Georgia Southern, it was college then, graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Education and a post-baccalaureate in Sociology. But later in life, in my 30s, I was married, I had Sarah and Nina, and I had stayed home, and I knew that teaching just wasn't my call. It was great and honorable, but it just wasn't a fit. But I needed income. I needed to add to our income. So, and it's, um, so I obtained an associate's degree from Armstrong State College in nursing. It has served me very well, even to today. I work at East Cooper Medical Center still, and if I can make another year, it'll be 20 years um, that I've worked there as an RN case manager. I work in the ICU and the progressive step down. When I was thinking about going into nursing and I knew I needed to do something else, I had strongly stated for years that I would not be a nurse. My mother was a nurse, her best friend was a nurse, my aunt was a nurse, my cousin was a nurse. And they didn't always have good things to say about it. But something was tugging at my heart that this might be the thing I needed to do. So in 1987, there was a nurse shortage in Memorial Hospital had a pilot program. They had it one time. And there were 30 students. If you were accepted in that program, your tuition was paid and you owed Memorial two years commitment of employment. I prayed, I applied, I interviewed. On a Friday, they called and said, well, we think you'd be great, but you would have to do the tuition reimbursement. I thought about it a lot. I'd already been to college. I didn't, I'm like, mm, I don't think I can do that. Well, my then husband and my mom and the kids, we went to Tybee, we had a great time, and I'm like rolling up my sleeves. Okay, God, you gotta show me how I can provide for my family and what's, where do I fit? That Monday when we returned from Tybee, there was a voicemail on the machine that said we would accept you into the 30. And so I went to Armstrong on a fully funded scholarship for nursing. I would find out later that 1,300 people applied for that position. So my call to nursing has been a call from God, I truly believe. And I graduated. And I worked at Memorial Medical Center in the inpatient rehab hospital there with spinal cords and traumatic head injuries. And then we had the opportunity, if you want to call it that, to move to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and the rest is history. So 30 years ago in August in 1992, I loaded up my van with Sarah, Nina, and then three-month-old Rebecca. And we went to Mount Pleasant 
South Carolina to meet their dad. I left Garden City United, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I left Garden City, Garden City United Methodist Church in my home in Savannah. That Sunday I cried for two hours. You would have thought I was going to California and not Carolina. I left this holy place, but as I've traveled my life journey and my spiritual journey, I realized that Garden City, Garden City United Methodist Church, did not leave me, that everyone who touched my life and everything I received here went with me. The scripture that I chose for today, and thank you for printing out 1 through 17, I'm going to read Exodus 3, 1 through 6. This is my scripture. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro and the priest of Midian. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to the Mount of Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a mist of a bush. Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw Moses had turned aside to see, God called out to him and said, Here I am. And then God told Moses, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. God said to Moses, I am the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, I'm not Moses, and there is no way I can compare to Moses. I think he kind of had a bent to sinning, so I might have that in common with him. But I believe that this place where we are today, 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City United Methodist Church, is holy ground. It is the place where I first experienced God's pervenient, pursuing grace through some very special people. There are, some many, there are many saints who have gone before us, some just recently, who showed us, who told us how to be Christ followers in our everyday lives. Now, my life in real time has been defined and formed by a series of tragedies or crises, and Garden City United Methodist Church has always been there as a reminder that God was present. The first crisis or tragedy that happened, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I was somewhere between two and three years old. My dad was injured in a work accident. He suffered a traumatic brain injury. And I'm sure that lots of people helped out. But I attribute my faith journey beginning in this holy place because of God's love working in Callista Second, your niece, and J.C. Ingram. This place is holy ground because if it weren't for them two people, I wouldn't have a faith journey to talk about. I won't cry. Okay. Garden City United Methodist Church is special and holy ground to me because it was holy ground and special to Jay-Z and Mama Niece. Mama Niece and Granddaddy had nine children, and I know I'm going to get the order wrong, but Tina, Ronnie, Harriet, Jeanette, Diane, Scotty, and Brenda. I got everybody right, Brenda? Charles. <laughs> He's on here. I just skipped over. They had nine children. They had many grandchildren. 
they had great-grandchildren. Yet they made room in their home for me when I needed to be there and when I wanted to be there. There was a book out some years ago. It was written by Robert Fulgham, and I think it went something like everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. If I were writing that book, it would say something like, everything I needed to know I learned at 110 Rommel Avenue at Mama Nisa's house. I learned, of course, about God and about prayer, about sharing, about fighting, about taking care of children and just how to take care of people. I learned how to play touch football and the guys and Jerry and little Joe and would get on their knees and those were some good days. Mama Nice had a brother and his name was Callie Seconder and he was a little bit different than us and he loved his transistor radio and to walk the streets of Garden City. So I learned from Mama Nice that people might be different from you but you love them anyway. Being a part of that family was a blessing to me. And it, and being a part of that, was holy ground. Now, JC and Bill and Janet and Billy Ingram were also a huge part of my life growing up. JC and Bill Ingram were always, always there when we needed them. We had some problems at our house, and we probably needed them more than most people need. But they never said no. They always came despite what was going on. And when my mom took her last trip to the hospital, it would be Jay-Z who took her there. But it wasn't all gloom and doom, and they weren't just our rescuers. We had fun. We, um, my parents and Jay-Z and Bill played Scrabble together. We would have cookouts. And Janet and I were very close growing up. And we would play Barbies and play together and sometimes fight like sisters. And she knew I was scared of the dark and scared of scary things like the twilight zone and the outer limits. So at night, she would torture me. <laughs> In the day, I was brave. <laughs> but I love her anyway, and those were special times. And I give her the tribute today that I'm not really scared of anything. I don't watch the outer limit and twilight zones, but if I had to, I could. Another thing <coughs> happened to me and to my family when I was 12 years old that would change things. My aunt, my brother's, my dad's brother's wife at 28 drowned. And she left two little children, Paul then two, and Lori six months old. And my mother would sacrifice very much of her life to bring them home to our house. And I was no longer an only child, but I had two siblings. And they didn't have a whole lot that came with them. So Mama Nisa's attic, they went. Cribs came out, and Bill Ingram put them together. It took a village to get them grown, and a lot of love and support from church and community. Sadly, Paul lost his battle with COVID a year ago today. But I will always cherish the time we had growing up. I thought we sometimes had a hard time. But Paul would tell me, Emily, we had the best childhood. I love Garden City, and I will cherish that and have that memory. And thank you, Georgia, for taking care of his wife like you did. Around the time I was 12, also, I was baptized here in this place on this holy ground. 
Now, I don't remember what the issue was or why I didn't quite want Brother Ed to baptize me, but he told me later on, aren't you glad I baptized you? I think it might have been that Paul Harwell was here and I was good friends with his daughter, Van. I don't know. I don't remember. But I am glad that Brother Ed Cadle was the one to baptize me. Because even after I went to Mount Pleasant and established my life there, if he was going to the VA, he would call and say, Emily, what's going on? Tell me about your life. And sometimes we would have lunch and talk about spiritual things. Who could ask for more than that? Um, all of my heroes, my spiritual giants, were short people, but they were big, big, big on faith, I will say. I just lost my place. Garden City United Methodist Church is holy ground to me because my prayers were answered in this place. All my life, I had prayed that my parents would come to know Jesus, would come to know how special this place was. For the most part, I was sent here, brought here, nurtured here, but they weren't part of that journey. And I wanted them to know Jesus and how they had been through so many tragedies and issues. Well, Brother Merle Hill came, and he went to visit my daddy in the hospital. And the first visit, he visited the man in the bed next to him, thinking he was visiting my daddy. <laughs> but he persevered. He did not stop visiting. And my father did join Garden City United Methodist Church. He had a tragic ending, but he had this peace in his life before he left this earth. And the church and the community, again, surrounded us, as they always did, with love after his death. Now, the Reverend Hill, he was really gutsy. He also asked my then-husband, who was of an Islamic background, if he would join the Garden City United Methodist Church and be baptized when we baptized Sarah. I was thinking, he was never not nice, but I was thinking, now, how is he going to respond? He said yes. So my prayers were answered in this place. And lastly, my mother, in talking with JC last night, I couldn't remember whether she joined under my cueling because she was very involved during his time. And so I was so glad that we were staying up talking last night. She said, you know, your mama called me one day about 3.30 at work, and she said, I'm at work. And she said, well, I need you to come home. And she said, well, why? And she said, I just need you to come home. She said, I need to go talk to the preacher. I want to give my life to Christ. In this place, in this holy place, my parents came to know Jesus. It didn't happen on my timeline or what I would have wanted, but this is holy ground for me. And they were both buried here, and Mama didn't have a whole long time, but she was totally enthusiastic about what she did here and her activities here in this place. There was a picture when Mama went to the hospital the last time that was drawn a, a drawing by Dwayne Stevens. It was done in 1993. And when she went to the hospital for the last time, that picture hung in her room, and it now hangs in my den. I will never forget the foundation, the seeds, Vicki, that were planted here in my life. And I now attend another church, but this is where it started. This is where it happened.
And I'm going to leave somebody's name out. There's no way I could name all the people. There were Sunday school teachers, MYF leaders, music leaders, although that was not my cup of tea, and I did not ever do well with it. I enjoyed it. Uh, the church suppers, um, so many, vacation Bible school, circle. Uh, there's no way I could name everybody, but I am going to try to call out some folks that I remember that touched my life. And if your name's not called on, it doesn't mean I didn't, you didn't touch my life. Mary Lou Hodges and Edith Hunter were Sunday school teachers. Francis Metz. June Edwards was a Sunday school teacher of mine and Ronnie. And when my Sarah, who's 39 now, was a little girl, we would go and visit Ronnie's mother, Miss Miriam. And those were special times for us. And Charlie and Kathy Hodges. Charlie was probably, aside from Brother Ed, one of the best Sunday school teachers I think I ever had. And I was in circle and Bible study with Kathy. Myra and Linda James Barrett touched my life in a special way, especially Linda. She had an enthusiasm for her faith that was just unspeakable. And I used to pray if I could just have one-fourth of what she had, I'd be really good. I'd be a champion. We lost her way too soon, but she made an impact on a lot of people. And of course, Inez and Ed Cadle, vital part of this church. Um, I learned so much from both. Inez was quiet, but she was just as faithful. And Thelma and Harmon Dixon, when I was in youth or a young adult, I would spend a lot of time at their house. Miss Thelma made the best brownies bar none that I have ever tasted. And we would have cookouts and just spend time there. It was holy time and fun time. I still have, of Janet and of Thelma, homemade angel ornaments on my Christmas tree that remind me of the people that I carry in my heart. Pat and Bobby Bowler, I remember, Lisa, I mean, Vicki, like you said, when y'all moved here, Pat and Bobby and Lisa and Bendy and Becky and Vicki all coming in, the brown, the blonde, the brown, the blonde. <laughs> and I was in awe of that family and the faithfulness. And I know your parents are so proud today as it's carried on and carried on. And I do remember them. And I know you guys are hurting. Pam and David Hill was a couple that was special to me. They went through a tragedy no parent would want to go through. They lost their son, Shannon. And being there and being here uh, to kind of walk with them, and that was something new for me and hard, but I admire them for how they traveled through that journey. And then there's a couple of people. They didn't really go to this church, but they live behind us. Annie Laurie and Marvin Exley live behind us. They were Lutheran, but they were good people, and they were a part of our lives. <laughs> um, and they um, influenced my life, and I had to mention them. And this is weird, Margie, but Margie and Britton Baysmore, and I lived across the street from Rupert Wayne and Lois, um, and Britton and Denny and Jerry. And, um, but when I was six years old, and I don't know why I remember this, and I hope I remember it right, I was coming out of Mama Niece's driveway on my little red bicycle, and I ran into Mr. Seconder, who luckily wasn't going very fast. 
and um, I was scraped from head to toe. And one of the people I remember being there after that happened was you. Um, I hope I remember that right, and it was a good thing. Um, I remember Faye and Grover Lovett. I uh, was in Sunday school with them and how giving they were and how, again, enthusiastic. And I'll always, uh, I don't know if Kay did, uh, Faye did Kairos or another prison ministry, but uh, when I started in the prison ministry, I always thought about Faye and her love for that ministry. And again, I mentioned Georgia and how grateful I was that you were there uh, when, Paul, when we lost Paul. Uh, and talking to Vicki on the phone. Um, it was just like in room, she was talking about her mother and I remember Miss Aggie and so it's great to be here and to remember all the people that touched your life, um, spoken and unspoken. Today, as is in the written up, I have um, three daughters and getting them raised was pretty hard. Um, shortly after I left Mount Pleasant, um, I lost mama and I, my marriage ended. But Sarah is 39 years old. She has a daughter named Anna. She is in the United States Army. She is a master sergeant. Um, through her career, she did deploy to Afghanistan and Iraq. She's been to Peru twice, but currently she teaches on base at Fort Bragg uh, for special operations. And her specialty is psychological operations. So she's done well. And Nina lives in Charleston to my middle daughter. She's 36. She has a dog and a boyfriend and a house. Um, she works in the lab and she's happy. And so you can't ask for more than that. And Rebecca, who was three months old, loaded up in that van, is now 30. She is married to Ralph Brower. They have a soon-to-be three-year-old, Layla, and another one on the way due in May. And right now they're living in my house and I'll be glad when they get one of their own. <laughs> uh, there is never a dull moment. Currently, I'm an active member at Hibben United Methodist Church in Mount Pleasant. It will never be a Garden City United Methodist Church, but I have formed relationships there and I'm involved in ministry there. In the 1990s, I was asked by a member there to attend the Walk to Emmaus. It's a fourth day renewal weekend sponsored by the upper room. And it came at a really good time because I'd lost my mom. I was trying to raise three girls, provide for their finances, and keep them going in activities. And it was pretty stressful. So I went on this weekend, and it was um, very meaningful. It was like setting the reset button on your computer, um, being able to get my focus back on God and not my circumstances. And so I served in that ministry for many years. I'm not so much active anymore. But that led to Kairos Prison Ministry, which is an organized worldwide international ministry that brings the love and forgiveness of Jesus to residents, staff, and family of those incarcerated. I serve Kairos in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, at Camille Griffith Graham Correctional Institute, and I have for 20 years. Uh, COVID and staffing issues has changed the landscape of the weekends, but the chaplains still allow our, um, our volunteer Kairos to bring uh, hygiene items, cards on special days, um, and even uh, for a little while, some of the ladies were able to go to the prison and have prayer and share time with the residents. Another ministry that I'm indirectly involved in is there a group of ladies at our church that crochet knit prayer shawls. 
and on them they have a little verse that talks about how God is with them and is loving them and um, so I am able as my job at a as a nurse in the hospital to distribute and give out those prayer shawls as a reminder to people especially um, I live at, I live I work in a small community hospital and our population is older and a lot of time the outcome is, is not good and during COVID it was very powerful uh, because even if the patients who had COVID survived they were separated from their adult children and it was just a tangible way to remind folks that God had not forgotten about them and they could take their prayer shawls with them. I teach Sunday school in my adult class on a rotating basis. We take turns and this year I'm going to be a lay delegate to annual conference, which I'm a little apprehensive about, but I'll, I'll do it. I also, lastly, belong to a small group. I started sometime after my walk to Emmaus weekend. COVID, like everything else, has kind of changed what we look like, but we met weekly. We hold each other accountable in our faith. We support each other when one of us is going through something, and it's a safe, comfortable place to be where you can be who you are. So we hadn't been meeting, so this past Labor Day, we rented a house at the beach, and we celebrated each other and celebrated our faith and had a good time. So hopefully things will eventually get back to normal. In closing, again, I am so humbled and honored to be asked to be here with you. I thank you as a congregation for the foundation of faith that was set in motion in this little life here. I ask that God bless each and every one of you and that you continue to plant those apple seeds in hearts and souls. And may this place continue to be holy ground where people come here and know they have been in the presence of God. Thank you for having me.